Folks, we have found the hardest-hitting news story about Joe Biden to date. You will not believe the kind of story that we have about Joe Biden. It is, it's incredible. I don't know how we'll ever recover from having this particular story from Joe Biden. So we'll talk a bit about that as soon as we're done with the stocks here today. In other news, David Perdue has filed paperwork to run again. Not against his former opponent, but against uh, Kelly Loeffler's former opponent. So we'll talk a bit about that. Publix is in the news because apparently they donated a bunch of stuff to a Trump-friendly cause. And now everyone wants to boycott them because nobody understands supply chains, I guess. So we'll talk about that. And a police officer plays a Beatles song while he's doing a uh, traffic stop. We'll tell you the reason why. I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. Good morning, ladies, gentlemen, non-binaries of every stripe, fellow deplorables, progressives who want to come in and have the conversation, libertarians that want to burn it all down, anarchists, and everybody in between. I reach a lot of different people here, and I like that because then we can come together and have the discussion while we're sitting here talking about the news. My name is Jay Edgar. This is Contemporary. I've got a bunch of stuff to get to today, including everything we read on the top of the show and a bunch of other stuff. One of the most notable ones that I have here is the fact that, we talked about this last night, Pelosi wants to have a 9-11 style commission into what happened on the Capitol on January 6th. So we'll talk about all that and more. Plus, we will do Twitter trending at the end of the show because it's Tuesday and we want to see what is trending right now. But before we get into any of that, head on over to freedomscoop.com. Freedomscoop.com is going to be your one-stop shop. Once we get back up and running, pardon our dust, we are still under construction for all of your news and commentary needs. You can come on over there, though, bookmark the page, and while you're bookmarking, go through YouTube, and you can find great uh, channels such as The R-Rated Conservative, The Freckles and Brit Show, The Generational Gap, The Daily Ignoramus, and The Breakdown with Birkenhoff, plus all the shows that come off this channel, too. So head on over there, pick up uh, some, or, well, like I said, bookmark it, so once we get back up and running, you can pick up some of our swag and help us support great creators. And hey, if you haven't joined the Gilded yet, there is a link for the Gilded server in the description below over on the YouTube side. Come on over there, join us. We're just about ready to get that up and launched. So you get to be one of the first people in there, one of the guinea pig, uh, pigs, as you will, to see how that's going to work. And once the community starts building, it's a lot like Discord, except it's uh, better. A lot better options. Looks like the voice uh, function is a lot smoother. There are calendars there. You can see when all of our creators are getting ready to go live, when they've got a schedule. I mean, Wyatt and Steven, you're just going to have to play it by ear because they don't follow a schedule, which is fine. Their followers seem to like that. My followers seem to like a followed schedule. So head on over there and check that out as well. It'll be a great time. But once again, bookmark freedomscoop.com because we are coming soon. All right, let's look back at the markets here. The same chart that we looked at yesterday, the stocks went down. They shot up at the beginning, went down throughout the day, shot up again, steady, down, and back up to finish the day, 27.7 points higher. But, I mean, we had President's Day off. Nobody knows what's going to happen here. Looks like the futures are going to be looking up a little bit based on the optimism from the stimulus. So we'll talk just a bit about what's going on there. Um, let's see what Bitcoin is doing on the other hand, which is almost at 50,000 US dollars per coin. So we'll talk just a bit about that there. 
well, like I say, they keep printing the money. The money becomes less valuable, but Bitcoin is pretty much at a fixed coin limit, as far as I understand from Bitcoin. Maybe one day I'll actually sit down and learn blockchain. I talked with a friend of the show, Seawall, about possibly figuring out how that works and maybe seeing if we can put Freedom Scoop on a blockchain thing so our web host can't uh, cancel us. But I think that's more technology than we have right now. But, you know, that's how Bitcoin runs, and it is on a roll. I hope some, I hope at least one of you in my audience made a little bit of money off the Bitcoin. <clears throat> All right, let's look at what IBD has to say. And I got smart. I got smart. I archived it because it gave me the little warning right again, and I saw it right away. But we can read from IBD today, archived, of course. Dow Jones today, futures rise amid stimulus, pandemic optimism, Bitcoin nears 50,000. From Ellen R. Elliott. Stock futures churned higher Tuesday as stimulus optimism and a continued decrease in new coronavirus cases helped buoy stock markets. Amazing! The cases are going away. Oh, well, just in time to get that economy back opened up and, hey, yeah, we, we, we fixed the Trump economy, okay? Hey, we're opening businesses back up and we're forcing 50. No, what, what, you mean that small business can't open again? Oh, well, you could still go work for Walmart, I guess. Chipmakers showed early strength with NVIDIA rising in a buy range. Bitcoin surged to a new high, helping to boost PayPal holdings. Banker JP Morgan ran at the head of the Dow Jones today. Dow Jones futures traded up 0.6% and S&P 500 uh, futures climbed 0.5% above fair value. NASDAQ 100 futures gained 0.6% on the stock market today in Washington. Congress flagged intentions to turn its focus to President Biden's proposed $1.9 billion-dollar stimulus effort. That's trillion with a T. Sorry, Alan R. Elliott. After impeachment proceedings against former President Donald Trump wrapped up with the Senate acquittal on Saturday. On the NASDAQ 100, Western Digital once again led, continuing its spiky behavior over the past several weeks. PayPal rose almost 3% as Bitcoin climbed to a new record high. China-based Baidu and JD.com jumped 2% each. Commodities and pandemic optimism plays crowded the top of the S&P 500. At the top of the heap, auto drivetrain components maker Borg Warner punched up more than 7% after announcing it would acquire Germany's Akasol in a deal valued at around $917 billion. Akasol makes higher-performance lithium-ion batteries for electric vehicles and other applications. Borg Warner stock was poised for an early breakout above a 43.32 buy point in an 18-week cup base. Small caps outpaced the early action with Russell 2000 futures up 0.9% as G1 Therapeutics, Ocular Therapeutics, and IMAX traded high on the market. The iShares Russell 2000 ETF rallied 0.95% in pre-market trade. Uh, what do we have for futures? Bitcoin. Bitcoin crushed a new high above 49,550 late Monday with prices up about 2% and trading 49,000 early Tuesday. According to Coindesk, Marathon Patent Group climbed 7.7%. MicroStrategy jumped 6.3%. The Amplified Transformational Data Sharing ETF rallied 6.5%. China-based 500.com soared more than 80% early trade. The company announced it would acquire Blockchain Alliance Technologies holding company, a Cayman Islands-based Bitcoin mining and services operator. Well, 
Maybe that Bitcoin's going to become worthless after all because China's going to get their hands on it. And you know what happens once the Chicoms get into it? They release a cheaper, less stable version. And nobody trusts the product anymore. IBD leaderboard stock PayPal swung more than 2% higher. PayPal shares have felt some influence from Bitcoin price swings since early November when the company launched a cryptocurrency trading service that deals in Bitcoin. PayPal stock is extended following a November breakout and a January rebound from 10-week support. So, looks like everyone's getting ready to go back to work here if they have a job to go back to at this point. And who knows, are the small businesses going to come back? Are they going to stay gone? We will see what happens once we get the new stimulus out and the new minimum wage coming out because they're going to ride that one to the end too. Let's have a look at what CNBC has to say. Dow futures rise 200 points as stocks look to add to record levels from Yoon Lee and Thomas Frank. Futures contracts tied to the major U.S. stock indices rose early Tuesday after a key volatility gauge Wall Street watches declined, which could unleash more buying from quant funds. Dow Jones Industrial Average futures climbed 200 points, while S&P 500 futures rose 0.6%. NASDAQ 100 futures gained a half a percent. The U.S. stock market was closed on Monday for President's Day. The CBOE Volatility Index, widely viewed as Wall Street's best fear gauge, broke below 20 to settle at 1997 on Friday, marking the first significant breach of the threshold since the pandemic-induced sell-off began in February of 2020. I wouldn't be holding it if it was me. The crack of the 20 level is viewed by some on Wall Street as a big risk-on signal, which could trigger buying from algorithmic traders and other big players. The gauge last traded up 1.221 on Tuesday morning. Fear is receding from the market, Tom Lee, Fundstrat's co-founder and head of research, said in a note on Friday. And receding fear is followed by systemic and quant funds adding leverage. In other words, this is a setup to see a rally. That's well, a setup, all right. Just ask the mainstream news. CVS Health jumped more than 2% after the drugstore chain's fourth quarter earnings beat Wall Street's expectations with its pharmacy sales getting a lift from providing COVID-19 testing and vaccines. The major averages finished last week at record levels even as February's rally appeared to cool off somewhat. The Dow has gained 4.9% in February, while the S&P 500 and NASDAQ have rallied 5.9% and 7.8% respectively. The S&P 500 has raked in 10 record closes in 2021. Easing fears across Wall Street are likely in large part thanks to the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccine, economic reopening, and expectations for more fiscal stimulus. COVID is far from defeated, but the path toward economic normalization is clearer as more vaccines that reduce hospitalizations and eliminate fatalities are approved. Dennis D. Boucher, strategist at Evercore ISI, said in an email, Freezing weather in regions across the U.S. sparked another rally in energy futures on Monday and put West Texas Intermediate crude contracts above $60 a barrel for the first time since the early days of the coronavirus pandemic. And, well, we've got a couple things to look at with that as well because we're looking at the fact that, yes, they say business is going to open up, people are going to be able to go back to work, but gas prices are going up too, keep that in mind. And that is going to increase the cost of goods and decrease buying power among people, so... There are a couple factors going on to this. I, For the people who brought the fear index down below 20, I think you guys are fucking idiots. Given the fact that we've heard 
that taxes are going to be going up, especially on the upper 1% who are providing so many of the jobs in the country. Wealth taxes are being talked about and everything else with that, plus gas going up and prices for products going up and the dollar going down. I'd be a little bit afraid of the markets right now. I would be very afraid of the markets by now. But we will see what happens from, uh, from this. But we've got even harder hitting news to talk about right now. Guys, this may be the hardest hitting news you will see all day. I actually saw this in the Hill last night while we were talking about other stories on the Rednet show. And I thought about bringing it up, but I thought it was just a fluke. I didn't, I couldn't verify this. Joe Biden has caught in such a big scandal. It's, it's horrible. And the news media is getting right ready to cover it. Are you guys ready for this? Reading from Newsweek. Joe Biden, playing as Luigi, wins in Mario Kart race against granddaughter at Camp David. From Marina Watts. How did Joe Biden relax during his first President's Day weekend as president? By playing Mario Kart with his family. During his weekend retreat at Camp David, Biden and his granddaughter Naomi played the racing game and he won. Naomi shared a video on Instagram that showed Biden competing against her on the arcade GPDX machines, complete with chairs and steering wheels. God, it's got to be fucking nice to have money, wouldn't you think? Biden sat on the right as Luigi and Naomi as Princess Peach on the left. Game Rat noted, despite not being at the same gaming level as granddaughter, the commander-in-chief came out victorious. Secret Service made an exception and let him drive himself. Naomi joked on her Instagram story, since the president is rarely allowed to drive for security reasons, as per CNBC. A little bit rusty, but still he won. Barely, she added. Oh, there's no audio on this one. Oh, it's only a second long, too. But yeah, there it is. Biden told reporters on Friday that he and his family planned to relax during the long weekend. We're going to be up at Kent David for Valentine's Day, he said, adding that they planned to just hang out with the family and do what we always do. Camp David is located at Maryland's Catoquin uh, Mountains, 60 miles north of Washington, and has multiple guest cabins for the president to entertain. This isn't the first time Biden has entered the gaming world during the 2020 presidential election. Biden had an Animal Crossing New Horizon island set up, engaging with Biden-Harris supporters from all over the country and encouraging gamers to vote. On the island, there were flowers arranged in the shape of an American flag, along with ice cream carts. This is it. This is your hard-hitting news right here. You remember what the last four years were like? The president eats a taco with both hands. Could he be in mental decline? Is this the person who needs to have the nuclear football? He sipped water in a way that was different from the way you and I sip water. Could, be in, could he be in cognitive decline? Could he be planning something? Could it be a dog whistle to his secret white supremacist? By the way, Luigi and Peach are both white. Keep that in mind. What else did we have? President Trump stumbled slightly, coming down a ramp from the helicopter. Could this be the beginning of the end? But 
prepare yourself for two years at least of this kind of bullshit. What does uh, what did Kamala Harris's shoes look like? What kind of outfit did she wear on the front of Vanity Fair? Oh look, Joe Biden. He played Mario Kart with his granddaughters. Oh, how sweet is that? Look at his little dog socks. Look at Joe Biden's dogs. It's going to be this, and there's not going to be any main coverage of this. And once again, that's part of the reason that they do need to keep the Donald up in here. And I'm, I mean, this isn't just some backstory that was completely out of the headlines. Like, just some back page fluff piece to come and say, oh, look how much more personal Joe Biden is than President Trump. When I was reading The Hill last night, this story was number three on the little tab on the side. This story was number three, which meant this was top headline news for The Hill at 6 o'clock Central Time last night. And once again, I have no problem with the wholesomeness of the story here, but it's, it's this dark contrast between everything is evil and wrong and a dog whistle to racist sexist, bigoted people that voted for Donald Trump for the last four years, and then this. Meanwhile, they're talking about keeping the army in Washington, D.C. to protect the streets until the fall. So, that's your hard-hitting Biden news. That's about as hard-hitting as it's going to get. All right, let's keep going here. I do actually have some real news to get to from this. Uh, starting from the Daily Wire, speaking of Kamala Harris, Axios deletes tweet fact-checking Kamala Harris after Harris faces backlash for wrong claim from Ryan Saavedra. On Monday, Axios, a left-leaning news organization, deleted a tweet fact-checking a claim made by Vice President Kamala Harris in which fact-checkers rate it as wrong after Harris is started to face backlash over her false claims. The tweet contained a video portion of an interview that Harris gave to Axios co-founder Mike Allen, which aired over the weekend. In the video, Harris was asked about the Biden administration's response to the pandemic. There was no stockpile of vaccines, Harris claimed. There was no national strategy for the plan on the vaccinations. We're leaving it to the states and local leaders to try and figure that out, okay? And in so many ways, we're starting from scratch on something that's been raging for almost an entire year. In their now-deleted tweet, Axios wrote, VP Harris to Mike Allen, there was no national strategy or a plan for COVID-19 vaccinations. We're starting from scratch. At a press conference last month, Fauci said, we are certainly not starting from scratch on vaccine distribution. Even PolitiFact, which is left-leaning, said that Harris's claim was wrong. Writing in a tweet, at VP told Mike Allen that there was no national strategy or plan for vaccinations and that the Biden administration was starting from scratch. That's wrong. The Trump admin had a plan to distribute to locations chosen by states and let them take it from there. Well, that's not good enough because, you know, I'm Kamala Harris and I have to control everything that people put in their bodies from the top all the way down to the bottom, okay? And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go out there and we're going to control everything because this federalism thing doesn't work. We need to make sure that every state has access to everything exactly the same except for my home state of California because they give me a bunch of money to make sure they come first. But it is good that they're at least 
standing up to them. I did not think that the media was going to stand up to anything like this. I thought that it was going to be just Kamala Harris gets to say, oh, we're starting from scratch there, sugar. And Axios and CNN and MSDNC will come out and say, oh, evil orange man, he screwed up. We all hail Kamala, all hail Kamala. So some pushback, at least, you know, you got to call balls and strikes with these people. You can't just tell them what they did wrong because otherwise they'll never learn what's right. So when they do do something that's somewhat right, even if it's the furthest stretch in the world to try and get it to be right, then you at least have to tell them that, okay, you did good. All right, let's keep going here from the New York Post. House GOP demands Pelosi address Capitol riot security failures. From Ebony Bowden. House Republicans are demanding answers from Speaker Nancy Pelosi on security decisions made in the lead-up to the January 6th Capitol riot and what involvement her office had according to a new report. In a Monday letter, top-ranking House Republicans, including Judiciary Committee ranking members Jim Jordan and Intelligence Committee ranking member Devin Nunes, also accused Pelosi of blocking their requests for information on security failures. As you are aware, the Speaker of the House is not only the leader of the majority party, but also has enormous institutional responsibilities, the politicians wrote in a letter obtained by Fox News. The Speaker is responsible for all operational decisions made within the House. In the letter, Republican lawmakers said they had seen a very heavy-handed and tightly controlled approach to House operations from Pelosi's office and demanded to know what requests for the National Guard could be deployed before the insurrection were rebuffed. Capitol Police were heavily outnumbered by supporters of then-President Donald Trump, who stormed the Congress on January 6th and came dangerously close to lawmakers who were huddled inside. The Republicans noted that the Capitol Police Steve, or Chief rather Steve Sund, approached Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving on January 4th to request National Guard support, but his request was denied. When then-Chief Sund made the request for National Guard support on January 4th, why was that request denied? Republicans wrote, per the Fox News report. Did Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving get commission, uh, permission or instruction from your staff on January 4th prior to denying Chief Sund's request for the National Guard? Pelosi's office said Monday that Irving did not bring a National Guard request to them before the day of the siege. Sund and Irving resigned under heavy pressure from Pelosi, a decision that the top-ranking Republicans also chafed at. Well, that doesn't say, that doesn't scream red flag right there. Okay, well, the request came in for extra help. It was denied, and now both people involved in that conversation are forced to resign. Weird! They also expressed unease with the Speaker's unilateral decision to appoint retired four-star Army General Russell Honoré to complete a security review. While there is widespread support to conduct an independent security review of the campus, General Russell Honoré was appointed solely by you without consultation of the minority, Republicans wrote. It's easy to understand why we and our Senate counterparts remain skeptical that any of his final recommendations will be independent and without influence from you, they added. Pelosi is also under fire over the decision to keep National Guard troops in the nation's capital until mid-March. 
More than 5,000 troops will remain in D.C. after 26,000 National Guard were deployed ahead of President Biden's inauguration to the cost of $500 million. So, that is what we see with that. And it's uh, definitely some questions going on here. Pelosi got the chance to shoot back here. Pelosi's office pushes back on House GOP questions about Capitol security ahead of the riot from Brooke Singman. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's office fired back at House Republicans on Monday, who demanded answers regarding security decisions leading up to and on the day of the Capitol riot last month, saying they're clearly trying to deflect responsibility for the Capitol attack from Donald Trump. Okay. House Administration Committee Ranking Member Rodney Davis, House Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Jim Jordan, House Oversight Committee Ranking Member James Comer, and House Intelligence Committee Ranking Member Devin Nunes sent a letter to Pelosi on Monday saying that many important questions about her responsibility of the security on the Capitol on January 6th remain unanswered. Noted. It does look like I'm losing frames. Thank you, Alan. I see that. Well, we got to keep going. But Pelosi's Deputy Chief of Staff, Drew Hamill, told Fox News that the Speaker has and will continue to take action to ensure accountability and enhance the security of the Capitol. Let me get a monitor up here so I can see a little bit more of what's going on here. But yeah, I see, uh, I do see drop frames, so we will monitor the internet for that. Two of the four House Republican ranking members voted to overturn the results of a fair election just hours after the Capitol was sacked by an insur uh, insurrectionist right-wing mob, a mob incited by Trump, Hamill said. A full 65% of House Republicans joined them in voting to undermine our democracy. All four ranking members also voted against holding Donald Trump accountable for inciting the mob. Hamill added, clearly the security of our Capitol and democracy are not the priorities of those ranking members. The Republicans, in their letter to Pelosi Monday morning, questioned, when the chief's son made a request for the National Guard support on January 4th, why was the request denied? Did Sergeant-at-Arms Paul Irving get permission or instruction from your staff on January 4th prior to denying Chief Sun's request for the National Guard? And it's really interesting to talk about this here because, like I said, I've said this numerous times, I thought about going down for the rally on January 6th. But, you know, I started to realize that this is probably not going to end well because there are going to, and once again, I thought that Antifa was going to be out in the open. I still believe, no matter what it is the news media tries to say and how many times Snopes tries to debunk the fact that Antifa let the people in, that there was some involvement in that crowd trying to get them up, rallied up and raring and ready to go, to go into the Capitol. Now, do I think that the entire hundreds Hamon people trying to get into the Capitol were Antifa? No, but I'm guessing that some of them were poking people on the side and saying, hey, 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 you know you want to run in there, don't you? Come, come on, think of the history that'll be made when you do this. Come on, come on. I think there was a little bit of that going on. And, you know, tensions are high. People are pissed off already. And, you know, they sit back and realize they can make their mark on history. And, you know, here we go. And now we've got 100 people standing in a Capitol with the fire alarm going off. 
But you knew that something was going to go down on the city, even if they had never breached the capital. I really, I thought for sure there was going to be a lot of National Guard down there. That's part of the reason I didn't go. Because I was sure that there were going to be people in fatigues, with rifles, ready to take care of that. And I'm not a big fan of taking the fight to the government. I'm a big fan of holding up with a rifle in my hand and waiting for the government to bring the fight to me. So, I mean, that's... <clears throat> to deny the National Guard, knowing the fact that we've had violence in D.C. itself all summer, encouraged by people by, like Pelosi, especially when the people who were encouraged by Pelosi faced off with people who were in support of Trump in BLM Plaza. It would have just been obvious to bring in National Guard to at least defend somewhat. But to deny that, knowing the fact that people were gathering for a rally and wherever Trump supporters tend to gather, especially if it's in a very liberal area like Washington, D.C., and Tifa tends to show up because they hate them that much. No, I can't see any reason why you would deny anything like this. So I've got a lot of questions about this, but we will see what happens. From CNN, David Perdue files paperwork to run in 2022. Georgia U.S. Senate race from Alex Rogers and Donald Judd. Former Senator David Peru, uh, Perdue rather, of Georgia filed paperwork with the Federal Election Commission on Monday evening to become a 2022 U.S. Senate candidate, the first step in a potential comeback bid after bruising loss in a runoff election last month. Perdue is leaning towards launching another campaign, according to a person familiar with his thinking. If he does decide to run, Perdue will face Georgia Senator Raphael Warnock, the senior pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta. Warnock and John Ossoff respectively beat Republican Senators Kelly Loeffler and Purdue in January, flipping the Senate, and everything was completely above board and nothing bad or wrong happened, wink wink honk honk. The two Democrats were the first elected to the Senate from Georgia in 20 years. Purdue said in a statement at the time, although we won the general election, we came up just short of Georgia's 50% rule. And now I want to congratulate the Democratic Party and my opponent for the runoff win. Bonnie and I will continue to pray for our wonderful state and our great country. May God continue to bless Georgia and the United States of America. Purdue's campaign had faced considerable scrutiny after he willfully mispronounced Kamala Harris's name. That is such bullshit. She's got a weird name and I mispronounce it every time I say it too and I don't... It, for me, it's just because I don't give a fuck. I mean, it's Kamala Harris. The evil person's going to do what the evil person's going to do, but, I mean, for this, this is just flat-up fucking bullshit. He was also forced to pull a digital ad attacking Ossoff, which showed the Democrats' nose enlarged, a hallmark of an anti-Semitic trope. I missed that one. A campaign spokeswoman at the time called the distorted image accidental, but to ensure there's absolutely no confusion, we have immediately removed the image from Facebook. So, he's going to go back and run again, Well, and we'll see what happens coming up off the midterm. When there isn't a Trump on the ticket, I'm kind of interested to watch how this one goes. Let's keep going. Speaking of Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi announces plan for 9-11 commission-style panel to investigate the Capitol riot. 
We must get to the truth of how this happened, Pelosi said. Why, we haven't got to the truth of what happened on 9-11. What makes you think this is going to be any fucking different? You make the commission, you find out what actually happened, and then you continue to lie to the American people for 20 fucking years. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced on Monday that Congress will move to establish an independent commission to investigate the January 6th insurrection. World's worst insurrection. Forgive me from my uh, Instagram audience for a second, but this is what the uh, insurrection was. Oh crap, I'm in the Capitol. What do I do? That's what the insurrection was. Similar to the one set up in the wake of the terrorist attacks on September 11, 2001. Now, as always, security is the order of the day, the security of our country, the security of our capital, which is the temple of our democracy, and the security of our members, Pelosi said in a letter to her Democratic colleagues in the U.S. House of Representatives. The events of January 6 occurred after then-President Donald Trump and his allies held a rally earlier that day in Washington, D.C., urging Congress not to certify the results of the November presidential election, in which Trump lost to Democratic candidate Joe Biden. Trump vowed to never concede and urged his supporters to fight as he continued to push baseless claims of election fraud. Yes, ABC News is completely objective in this. There's no bias in this whatsoever. Crowds of people then made their way to the Capitol steps, pushing through the barricades, officers in riot gear and other security measures that were put in place in anticipation of the protest. An angry mob breached the Capitol building, forcing a lockdown with members of Congress and their staff holed up inside. It took hours for law enforcement to clear the building and establish a perimeter, uh, perimeter around the area. Five people, including a police officer, died during the rampage. That's not true either. Retired Lieutenant General Russell Onere was appointed to examine security on Capitol Hill following the... I, I can't say that word about that thing. Following the selfie fest. Meanwhile, the Senate acquitted Trump on Saturday and his second impeachment trial on a charge of inciting the Capitol rioters. So, yeah, she's going to spend a whole bunch more money looking into this. And once again, they're going to find out what actually happened. I promise they will, and then they're going to continue to lie to the American people for 20 years. Just like we did with 9-11. Guess what? We're still in Afghanistan, and Afghanistan still had nothing to fucking do with any of this. And we're still there, and we're ramping up more people to go to Afghanistan. So, forgive me if I don't believe what it is that you're going to try and do with the Capitol riot. You're going to spend a bunch of money which might accidentally slip into the pockets of some people who support you. And some businesses where people make donations to you. You know, kind of launder that money a little bit here. And then tell the American people what you want them to think. And I mean, I'm not like a 9-11 truther like Stephen Ingramus is. I know what the structural problem was with flying an airplane into a building. I have more of a problem with the fact that, like I said, this 9-11 thing is used, still used as, as a justification for us to stay in the Middle East forever and ever and ever eight men because of what was found on the 9-11 Truth Commission. 
So what is this going to be? Is this going to be a reason for them to keep the walls around the Capitol complex forever? Keep the National Guard station in D.C. forever? Do Have we become a military state? Is this what we're going to be seeing? I, I look at shit like this and... I, well, I don't trust the government to begin with, but knowing what they did with 9-11 and, you know, how they've kept our military propaganda up and going forever. And now they're going to do this shit. No, I, I can't look at this and say, no, this is all above board. All right, let's keep going here. Speaking of commissions, House Democrat tells CNN's Brian Stelter, America needs a truth commission. AOC Biscuit has also said there's been discussion of a commission to rein in certain parts of the media. From David Rutz. Representative Sarah Jacobs, D. California, is the latest prominent voice on the left to call for a truth commission in the name of combating extremism in the United States. In an appearance on Sunday on CNN Media Affairs show Reliable Sources, Jacobs criticized conflict entrepreneurs who take existing fault lines in our society and mobilize around them using the enabling environment of our media ecosystem and lack of trust in institutions. It's really, really ironic that she went on CNN and criticized conflict entrepreneurs who take existing fault lines in our society and mobilize around them. How ironic is that? Host Brian Stelter brought up her interview last week with the 19th, where she first called for a truth commission to reckon with the nation's fraught racial past and asked her to expand on what she meant. Part of what we're seeing now is because we haven't really done the reckoning with the racial injustice and the white supremacy of our past that we need to do, Jacob said in the clip flagged by the Daily Caller. A truth commission, a lot of people will think of the South Africa, its communities, all the way up to the national level, having conversations about both the glory and the glory of our history and what happened, both throughout the history of our country and leading up to and on January 6th, so that we can come to a common narrative moving forward of what we want our country to be. Well, see, that doesn't sound like South Africa. That sounds like 1984 is what that sounds like to me. But, you know, you keep doing what it is that you want to do. Your sycophantic little followers will come back and sniff your farts and tell you how great you are, no matter how much you're trampling on the rights of the American people and the Constitution you swore an oath to uphold. But there we go. Your truth commission is coming. And this program will be gone once they fire that back up. I will probably be in a pillory by the time that all comes in. <clears throat> Let's keep going. From the Daily Wire, McConnell to tip scales and primaries to ensure GOP wins Senate. What I care about is electability. Well, I've got two articles on this to talk about this, but this is, this is another flip-flop from Mitch McConnell. I don't even know whose side this asshole is on anymore. Because, you know, when Trump was in office, he was, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to do whatever Trump says. And I mean, the media criticized him as Trump's puppet for the entire time of the Trump presidency. And as soon as Trump was, well, as soon as the vote was done being counted, it was, oh, well, we need to get the evil of Donald Trump out of our party and get rid of it there. But, hey, Kentucky, thank you for your votes this past fall. Thank you, MAGA people, for your votes. 
And now he's suddenly back on Trump's side, thinking Trump's going to be a big fucking kingmaker again. Let's see what the, this one says, and then we'll read briefly from the New York Post on the same topic. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is reportedly going to be much more involved in the Republican primaries for the upcoming midterms than he has been in the past in an effort to make sure the party wins back control of the Senate. In an interview with the Wall Street Journal, McConnell said that the goal is not about alienating or promoting any certain type of Republican, but rather to make sure that the candidate can win in November and will not hurt the party in races in other states. That may or may not involve trying to affect the outcome of the primaries, McConnell noted, saying that key to the Republican Party winning back the U.S. Senate hinges on getting candidates who can actually win in November. I personally don't care what kind of Republican they are, what kind of land they consider themselves in, McConnell said. What I care about is electability. So basically, he's coming out on the floor and saying, I don't care if you want to go bomb brown children in the Middle East, or if you want to say Trump forever, or what you are. As long as you have that R next to your name, and you will get in line when I tell you to get in line, that I want the power back once again. And yeah, I think I think Iran is right over in the uh, chat that, yeah, it's just he's on his own side. He's doing whatever is going to give him power because he's dr uh, drank that Beltway water. McConnell said that former President Trump could easily end up supporting good candidates, but he isn't assuming that will automatically be the case. I was here in 2009. We were down to 40 senators. It took us six years to crawl out of that hole. McConnell said, the GOP is starting, uh, sorry, the GOP is starting with a split of 50-50 Senate right now, which McConnell said is not a bad stop, uh, spot to start in. McConnell conveyed in the interview that he does not want a civil war within the Republican Party, and that he hopes the party can unify in opposition to the Biden administration because not many Republicans are going to be for very many of the things that are coming out of the administration. Well, yeah, that's why they tried to nix the filibuster. Because they wanted to ram that uh, agenda down everyone's throat. So, we'll see what comes out of that here. I want to read briefly from the New York Post on the same topic before we move on to something else here. McConnell says Trump could play a constructive role for Republicans from Stephen Nelson. Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said on Monday that former President Trump could play a constructive role for Republicans after his acquittal for allegedly inciting the Capitol riot. I don't rule out that uh, Trump may well be supporting good candidates. I'm not assuming that, to the extent the former president wants to continue to be involved, he won't be a constructive part of the process. Now, that may or may not be, because he might be quite the kingmaker coming up in 2022. McConnell tore into Trump on Saturday, despite voting for acquittal, and said that he was practically and morally responsible for the violence on January 6th, but McConnell voted to acquit Trump on constitutional grounds and has sought to avoid Republican infighting. McConnell told the Journal that he cares most about supporting electable Republicans in 2022 as he hopes to reclaim the Senate, which is currently divided 50-50, with Vice President Kamala Harris breaking ties in favor of Democrats. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I mean, that's where we're sitting right now with McConnell coming in. And like I said, he's just, he's looking out for Mitch McConnell. He's looking out because he's eyeing up the fact that he could be the majority leader once again. And honestly, if the GOP makes him the majority leader, if they take back the Senate, that will probably be the death nail 
in the coffin of the GOP. Because this dude is fucking cancer. He's done good things, don't get me wrong. He has definitely done good things, but for the most part, he's just looking out for power. He's looking out to be the king himself. So, we'll watch this one closely and see what happens coming up in 2022. That election cycle's already started. From the blaze... Vandals target and attack home of Trump impeachment lawyer from Chris Field. Vandals attack the home of the former President Trump's impeachment defense lawyers on Friday, according to police. Authorities said the vandalism happened around 8 p.m. Friday at the Philadelphia area home of attorney Michael Van Derveen, ABC News reported. The Philadelphia Inquirer said the vandals smashed windows and spray-painted traitor in an arrow pointing to the house on red on Van Der Veen's driveway after he spent hours earlier that day presenting Trump's impeachment trial defense on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Van Der Veen's wife discovered the vandalism and reported it to police. There's your, uh, there's your traitor sign right there for those of you watching, not listening back on the audio platform. The attorney told Fox News that his home was attacked and that his family business and employees are facing threats. My home was attacked, Van Der Veen said on uh, Saturday on Fox News. To answer your question, my entire family, my business, my law firm are under siege right now. I don't really want to go into that, though. The Inquirer reported that demonstrators with the group Refuse Fascism gathered outside Van Der Veen's law office chanting, When Van Der Veen lies, what do you do? Convict, convict. Fox News added that the Vanderveens hired private security for their home in the wake of the attack. Fellow Trump impeachment attorney Bruce Castor reiterated to Fox News that Vanderveen's house had been attacked, then revealed that his house too had been the subject of unrest. I was a homicide prosecutor for decades, so I have some experience with death threats and vandalism at my home, and my wife and police dealt with that at our house, Castor said in response to questions about how difficult the trial has been on the defense team, but the rest of the team don't have that sort of experience. It's been very unsettling. Mr. Vanderveen's house was vandalized last night, he said, adding, my house was the subject of unrest. Castor then warned about the threat of attacking lawyers who are paid to represent people that many people might not like. These people are lawyers, and they expect to do their jobs without having fear for their personal safety, he said. If the country has reached the point where somebody who needs a lawyer, that lawyer is themselves attacked, where are we going to be going forward when somebody truly is in need of counsel and can't find one because they're afraid to defend a person who represents what half the country thinks is an unpopular cause? Well, these people don't believe that you have the right to have an attorney, that you are guilty because Facebook told... Uh, everyone that you are guilty. The court system is changing right now, especially given what social media is. People are being tried in the court of social media, and they're trying to make sure that they can use social media to shape the courts into the decisions that they want, including make sure that a person who is possibly undesirable can't get a lawyer. I mean, that's why we have a person like Bruce Castor sitting up there right now. And I'm sure that Donald was his own worst enemy in that, shooting himself in the foot saying, okay, we've got this trial here, I'm on trial, but we're going to use this to push down the fact that I won bigly. Okay, it was a landslide, and you're going to tell the people that. And the initial batch of lawyers came up and said, um, Mr. President, we're defending you for incitement of riot. We're not going to try and tell people, we're not going to try and overturn the election at your impeachment trial. 
and then they all quit. So, apologies to the families of the people that have to deal with this, but, you know, the courage at least on Vanderveen and Caster to come up and do something like this, knowing that this was going to happen for them. All right, let me grab one from Insider here. I talked a bit about this yesterday because nobody understands how supply chains work. People are boycotting Publix because a member of its founding family gave $300,000 to the Trump rally that led to the January 6th Capitol riots. From Irene Jang. People are calling for a boycott of Publix after the Wall Street Journal unmasked. It was you the entire time! An heiress to the Southern Grocery Empire as the top donor to the Trump rally that led to the Capitol riots on January 6th. Julie Jenkins Fancelli, an heiress to the Publix founding family's nearly $9 billion fortune, has previously donated millions to Republican causes and candidates. On January 30th, the Wall Street Journal reported Fancelli is having uh, contributed rather $300,000 out of the roughly $500,000 total raised for Trump's now infamous Stop the Steal rally. Publix has a dedicated fan base, but Fancelli's contribution to the rally was the last draw for many loyal customers. The Guardian reported on Monday. On Monday, the hashtag boycott Publix was trending on Twitter, with many users expressing outrage and claiming betrayal over Fancelli's donation. Why? Why, why is there betrayal? Fancelli has money and can donate it to whatever the hell she wants to do. She doesn't owe you something because you purchase things at her store. That's not how this works. And furthermore, and this was the biggest thing for me. And I've noticed because I I choose not to shop at certain places right now because of some of the public views that they put out. I guess you could call it a boycott, but you know, I just choose not to shop there. Like Walmart, because they got on the soapbox and said they weren't going to sell 223 ammo. Now, I don't care that they don't sell 223 because I've never bought ammo at Walmart, but the fact that they had to get up on the soapbox was the last straw for me and said, you know what, I'm going to go over to Target, who I'm sure their politics don't align with mine either, but at least they don't tell me about it. And then after I stopped shopping at Walmart, I realized how terrible of a company Walmart actually is, so I stand by my decision. And it's the same thing with Burger King. I guess you could call that a boycott, too, because I choose not to eat Burger King. I love Burger King burgers, don't get me wrong. I think they have one of the best fast food burgers out on the market. But they had to get up first off, and they did. it was the chick fries commercial that got me, because, oh, my pink tax, and we're going to sell chicken fries in a pink box for $5 more than the regular chicken fries box. We're going to stand in solidarity and demonstrate that... Uh, Women's razors cost more. Well, there's usually more functionality to a women's razor, too. You know, the moisturizer that goes around the thing and whatnot. Then <clears throat> there's, there's that. And then people choose to buy it, too. I mean, my mom used disposable razors the entire time I was growing up. The dollar bick one. Well, it was like 30 cents when I was a kid, but that's what she used. So you're choosing the product you want to buy, whether or not it's more expensive off that. But they got up in the soapbox and I said, you know what? I don't need to spend my money here anymore. I don't need to spend my money there anymore. And once again, it's 
You know, I'm not encouraging you to not go and eat there or shop there or anything like that. If you think that it's best for you, then absolutely do it. And I was actually ready to forgive Burger King because they'd stayed silent for a long time and I really wanted a Burger King burger. Uh, burger? Burger. Who am I, Trump? Burgers. Hamburgers. Um, then they did the whole lemongrass commercial thing that annoyed the shit out of me. And once again, got up on their virtue signal box and said, look how clean and green we are, which, I mean, it was a good idea. Once again, I like the idea that they're coming out and doing this with the free market. But the fact that they have to get up on the soapbox and say, look how clean and green we are. and We're eliminating cow farts. Fuck you. You don't need my money. But as far as Publix goes, I mean, people are coming up here and boycotting Publix because Publix, a member of the Publix family, donated to a candidate they don't like. If you went up through the supply chain, if you stopped buying everything from every place where somebody donated to a political candidate you don't like, you would starve to death. You would absolutely 100% starve to death. But that would involve people coming up and doing research into who's donating to whose campaign rather than just doing something on a snap moment because the mainstream media told them to. So that's what's happening there. Uh, let's see. I've got, what else do we have here? From The Blaze, grade school teacher criticizes prison-like plexiglass cubicles. District tells her to take down the Facebook post and stop being so negative. <clears throat> Excuse me. Got to clear my throat there. Maybe it's the comic coup. Oh no, the world's gonna die. From Carlos Garcia. A teacher criticized her prison-like plexiglass structures that were set up at the grade school classroom in a Facebook post. And the district responded by telling her to delete the post and stop being so negative. Fifth grade teacher, Teresa Holmes, posted a video of the cubicle set up for social distancing because of the coronavirus at her Forsbrook Elementary classroom in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Holmes addressed the video to Ken Richardson, the chair of the Horry County Schools Board of Education. I'm wondering, this is my classroom. I have a rather large classroom compared to other classrooms in our building, she explained. Holmes said she could expect 30 or 32 desks when all the children from virtual study are back in the classroom. So I'm just wondering, when we order this $5 million worth of plexiglass, did we have the classroom of 28 desks set up to where school board members could see them and see what's really going on or what's really going to be like? Because I'm still trying to figure out how in between my classrooms am I supposed to disinfect? How am I supposed to hear my students when they're in the back of the room wearing a mask behind all this plexiglass? Holmes asked. The school district responded by calling on Holmes to take down the post on Facebook and instructed her not to make it look like something negative, according to Holmes. Well, guess what? I feel that it is negative, Holmes said to the Post and Courier, Myrtle Beach. Community leaders and teachers have been publicly squabbling with the school board about the plan to reopen the schools with the plexiglass structures. Some teachers say they won't be given enough time to clean all the cubicles between the classes, and there may also be mold issues associated with the water used to clean them. Well, they've got a virtue signal, though, so they got to come out and do it the way that uh, the state wants them to do it. So that's what we see for that. <clears throat> Let's keep going. From NBC New York. 
Cuomo admits mistakes over nursing home death data doesn't offer apology. From Jennifer Peltz. Under fire over his management of the coronavirus lethal path through New York's nursing homes. Governor Andrew Cuomo insisted Monday the state did not cover up deaths, but acknowledged that officials have or should have moved faster to release some information sought by lawmakers, the public, and the press. All the deaths in the nursing homes and hospitals were always fully, publicly, and accurately reported, the Democratic governor said weeks after the state was forced to acknowledge that its count of nursing home deaths excluded thousands of residents. No, you won an Emmy because they were hiding that information. You asshole. Of residents who perished after being taken to hospitals. He explained the matter Monday as a difference of categorization with the states counting where deaths occurred and others seeking total deaths of nursing home residents regardless of the location. We should have done a better job of providing as much information as we could as quickly as we could, he said. No excuses. I accept responsibility for that. Except nobody in the mainstream media is going to hold you responsible for that. And they're still trying to run around and get this looking the way that the mainstream media wants it. Cuomo, who has seen his image as a pandemic-taming leader, dented by a series of disclosures involving nursing homes in recent weeks, said he would propose reforms involving nursing homes and hospitals in the upcoming state budget without giving any details. But he continued to blame a toxic political environment and disinformation for much of the criticism surrounding his administration's handling of the issue. Well, yeah, of course, blame anybody but yourself here. And furthermore, I'm going to hold you back to your standard, the standard that the left, people like NBC New York, held Trump to. Okay, yes, we're going to make reforms. We're going to do things better. Is that going to bring, uh, is that going to bring grandma back? Is that going to bring your elderly parents, your elderly grandparents, is that going to bring the nursing home residents back? The neighborhood lady that came out and gave candy to people, is that going to bring any of them back? No, it's not. So, that's what we see for that. Let's keep going. I got just a few more here. Then we'll do Twitter trending and head on out of here. From the New York Post. Excuse me. Portland protesters hit cops with snowballs, break businesses' windows from Elizabeth Elizalde. Even winter has become a weapon for BLM and Antifa protesters in Portland and Seattle. Antifa protesters reportedly shoveled snow into a tall heap to block a garage driveway at the Seattle East Precinct on Saturday night. The snow prevented patrol vehicles from responding to calls. Katie Davis-Court, a local reporter and videographer for the Post-Millennial, tweeted early Sunday, along with a video of a blocked cop car. In Portland on Friday night, a group of protesters took a break from smashing windows to pelt police officers with snowballs in a decidedly one-sided snowball fight, authorities said. About 30 to 50 people gathered in downtown Portland around 8 p.m. Friday and marched to Central Precinct where they began yelling and throwing objects at the officers, according to Portland Police Bureau. As officers approached their patrol cars, the protesters hit them with a barrage of snowballs. Speaking of the police, there they go. The cops remained out of sight as much as possible in efforts to avoid confrontation and de-escalate the situation. 
At about 10.45 p.m., the crowd went on a short march, and cops discovered they had broken the windows of a coffee shop and a medical clinic. No arrests were made, and no injuries were reported. They're throwing snowballs at cops. Well, I guess technically you can't get them for assault for that. Technically you can, but, I mean, at some point, you got to draw the line somewhere. But, I don't know, they're, they're not sna smashing people with bricks and milkshakes right now with caustic uh, substance in them. So, I don't know. I don't know where to look at this because, yes, they're still out there protesting. In spite of the fact that they got what they wanted, apparently, in Joe Biden as president. But they're being less lethal than they were. So, we'll see what happens. Alright, from the blaze. Cop plays Beatles yesterday with cell phone camera records him, presumably to trigger copyright claims, so clip is blocked. Some Beverly Hills cops are getting back at left-wing activists who take videos of them with a good bit of wit attached to it. Vice News reported that Los Angeles area activist Senate Devermont recorded cell phone video as he was trying to talk to uniformed Beverly Hills police officer on a sidewalk last month, but the chatter was interrupted by a familiar sound. It was coming from Officer Julian Ray's cell phone. He was holding aloft. It was an acoustic guitar and a man singing, Yesterday. All my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks like they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. I was way off key for that one. Yep, it was Paul McCartney singing the Beatles classic Yesterday, arguably one of the most popular songs ever, as it was performed over 7 million times just in the 20th century and recorded more than 1,600 times. Um, I'm not going to play the video. Just based on the fact that they will probably ding me for that. As you can probably guess, the Beatles rightfully are quite uh, protective of unauthorized uses of their songs. You know, money can't, uh, I don't care mu that much for money, money can't buy me love, except now I'm one of the richest people on the fucking planet. And when they show up in videos, those clips are typically blocked. According to Devermont, the tactic worked. He noted in his Instagram post of the interaction with police that it seems they think playing copyrighted and licensed music will keep the word from getting out, and it turns out they are right. I sent this video to multiple news agencies who covered the story. Most said they can't share it. Why? Because it's playing Beatles music. Vice News said songs like Yesterday showing up in Instagram videos can trigger a platform's algorithmic copyright filters, which can result in videos being taken down and suspension of live streamers' accounts for repeated infractions. Yeah, and like I said, we're going to YouTube right now, so it's probably not the best thing for me to do as well. I mean, I I don't, I like the fact that they found a way to do this because maybe that'll actually take a step down for some of the copyright stuff and some of us won't get dinged quite so hard for just a clip that showed up in a news story. That would be nice. That would definitely be nice. But furthermore, it's kind of a dick move because the police do need to have more accountability. You have the right to come out and make public your interaction with a police officer. You have the right to do that because they are an agent of the state. They are accountable to you. They still work for you. So this is kind of a dick move. 
with any luck, this will have people rethink the way that all this goes. I'm sure the DMCA will look at this and say, oh shit, we're getting used. We're having our stuff used against us. All right, pull the fucking plug. And hell, maybe somebody like me can monetize at some point. <laughs> yeah, okay. But, um, another one. Uh, Sergeant Billy Flair used his cell phone to play Santeria by Sublime when Devermont was trying to talk to him in a separate video, and Devermont was quite frustrated. Yeah, I don't like any of this. But hopefully some things get changed because of it. Alright, let's see. From the Hill. Bank of America promises net zero emissions by 2050. The bank joins other large financial institutions in realigning their business with the Paris crime, uh, Climate Agreement. And a lot of right-wing outlets were actually pissed off about this. I found out about this on the Daily Wire. But honestly, with Bank of America, they can do their business however the fuck they want. And they'll have to deal with the consequences when their customers come back and leave. Which they're already dealing with, given the fact that they're giving away customer info to get around the Fourth Amendment to try and get more people arrested for the Capitol riot. Bank of America is aiming to reach net zero greenhouse gas emissions in its financing activities, operations, and supply chain by 2050, the group announced on Thursday. The bank joins other major uh, financial institutions, including Morgan Stanley and J.P. Morgan Chase, in setting corporate policy initiatives that support the goals of the Paris Climate Accord, which aims to limit global warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius by the end of the century. Yes, 80 years from now. To meet this ambitious goal, Bank of America will have to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions from its own operations as well as engage with the companies it lends to in order to help accelerate their own transitions to net zero. Which means it, they just made it a lot harder to get a loan from Bank of America. Just so you know. I don't see this ending well for Bank of America because there are going to be a lot of people pulling their money out of there. I've already got my money out of Bank of America, and I'm going to see a lot more people pulling money out of it. Now, once again, they're a private business. If that's what they want to do, There's the right-wing media can't come back and tell them, well, you're bypassing the Constitution by doing this. No, you can set up your business however you want. You have to absorb the cost of doing it, and you have to absorb the repercussions of doing it because there are people like the Daily Wire. There are people like the Blaze. There are people like me who look at this and say, Okay, this is too much trouble. They're taking my interest rates, the money they're making off of that, and putting it to bullshit. Instead of making my customer experience better, they're putting it to bullshit. I don't want to do business with these people anymore. They'll have to come back and deal with repercussions like that, but they're not bypassing the Constitution to go rejoin the Paris Climate Accord. They're doing private business in the way that they want to, and right-wingers, stop trying to use the government to get your ends after accusing the left-wing of doing the fucking same. Let the private business do what the private business wants to do. Alright, from NBC. We might not be able to do this one. Just because it reloaded and now it's telling me, Please support our journalism by supporting ads. Let me refresh this a couple times and see if it goes away. Give it just a second here. We need that Jeopardy music again. Come on. 
I don't want to support your journalism by promoting ads because your ads slow my computer down to the point that it's barely able to function because she's trusty, but she's getting up there. From Tim Stello, Adela Suleiman, and Kurt Chirbus and Colin Sheely. A deadly winter storm pummeling the country's south and midsection left millions without power in Texas early Tuesday and spawned a possible tornado that killed three in North Carolina. More freezing weather was predicted in the coming days. The suspected tornado hit North Carolina's Brunswick County around midnight, ripped homes from foundations, snapped trees in half, and injured at least 10 people. The country's emergency services said on Tuesday. In Texas, two people, one a child, died from carbon monoxide poisoning from a car being used for heat. Really? Oh my god, how fucking dumb can you be? Well, I will give them that. They don't usually deal with this stuff. So, but still, I mean, come on. More than 4.2 million people woke up without power in Texas, according to PowerOutage.us, as record low temperatures brought a demand for power to the state's electric grid could not keep up with. The areas around Galveston and Houston were the hardest hit, according to PowerOutage.us. Snow and freezing rain were expected to persist, raising travel concerns for parts of the eastern Great Lakes to New England on Tuesday. Frigid Arctic air and dangerous wind chills were forecast in the Great Plains and Mississippi Valley throughout midweek, the National Weather uh, Service said. The storm dropped snow and ice from Arkansas to Indiana and brought record low temperatures from Oklahoma City to Minnesota's Iron Ridge, where thermometers dipped to minus 38, the National Weather Service said. What's funny is that's not even a record temperature here. Texas officials pleaded with residents to stay off the roads, conserve power, and seal up drafty windows and doors. At least 25 people have died from weather-related causes so far since Thursday, most of them in Texas, as the storm blanketed large swaths of the country. In North Carolina's Brunswick County, there were reports of people trapped in homes or feared missing as rescue operations got underway after the possible tornado, emergency management officials said. An estimated 50 homes were affected and a temporary shelter had been set up for the displaced. Power lines were also downed, leaving thousands without electricity, the Brunswick Electric Membership Corporation said. So, um, first and foremost, one of the things I need to do, we'll go in and hopefully everyone will do the same and go and check on Seawall728, a friend of the show, because I know that he was without power for large amounts of yesterday. Because, you know, Texas wasn't intended to handle this. Now, I looked, because Harvey McLeod put, uh, put the snow on her Instagram story, and she is now in Dallas, so I looked at that, I'm like, well, that doesn't even seem that bad. Why are we shutting down the country over this? And I remember that Dallas doesn't have the infrastructure in place, like the article said, to handle this level of snow. They don't have the infrastructure there to do it. So these people, some of these people have never seen snow before in their lives. So yes, I, you know, my heart goes out to them. And of course, I took a picture of my snow-covered pickup and sent it down to Harvey McLeod. But it did in DM because it had my license plate in it. But, uh, yeah, I sent that down to her just to say, you know, this is what we get up here. Now, of course, I would offer shelter to Harvey McLeod, Wyatt from the breakdown with Birkenhoff, Seawall, if they needed it. Now, mind you, they would be 
coming to a much colder environment up here, but hey, we know how to deal with it. Because we do this every year. Minus 38? That's your average January in Wisconsin. So, um, my heart goes out to these people. Uh, also, we should probably go back and check on Mr. Ignoramus just to make sure because I, I don't know where in North Carolina Brunswick is. I have an idea where Stephen was, but I don't know where North Carolina Brunswick is. But just to make sure that he's safe too because he was in North Carolina for a little while. I think he's like just leaving right now. So, we'll make sure that he's safe as well. So, we'll go back and check on that. We check on the people that we uh, care about here. And last one we'll do, and then we'll do Twitter trending for the day and head on out of here. Another one from Texas as well, unfortunately. And we, of course, have to and check autoplay. in on that snowy side. Dal Shut that up for a second. Texas City forced to shut off water due to winter storm from William Mansell. City officials in Abilene announced on Monday that all city water services had been shut off due to historic winter storm and subsequent power outages. The city water services were shut down at 7 p.m. local time as a result of power outages from both power sources at all three of the water treatment plants, the city said in a statement. Officials said they do not know when power and water will be turned back on. When the water is restored, the city said residents would be required to boil water before using. Oh yeah, that's right, because once again, they don't know how to do any of this. I'm, I'm actually sorry to hear that because, you know, like I said, the rest of us are quite prepared to do something like this, but the people in Texas are not. They've, some of them have never dealt with this before. So yes, absolutely. If you were in Texas and watching this, once you get your water turned back on, boil that shit. Boil it. Because you don't know how long it was sitting in the pipes, collecting sediments and bacteria and prions and all kinds of other fun stuff like that. So we'll go back and check on our Texas friends at the end of this here. Make sure everybody's safe. Make sure everybody knows what they're doing for this and can continue to go. All right. That's it. That's it on the news. Let's do Twitter trending for the day. We'll run over here to Twitter. Let that think for a second. That's not what I want. I want this one. For trending on Twitter for Tuesday, February 16th. A number one trending Nintendo Direct. After 530 days of waiting, Nintendo Direct is back on February 17th with a 50 minute live stream focused on 2021 games. It looks like Mario Kart 9 is coming out as well. So we're getting new video games just in time for everybody to go back to work. Number two, Texas. Winter storm causes power outages in Texas and prompts advisories across the U.S. We just talked about that for a bit. Number three, Mardi Gras. People begin Mardi Gras celebrations from a distance in New Orleans with more than 3,000 decorated house floats in a year without parades due to COVID-19. How long do you think that's going to last? New Orleans makes a living off of the fact that they do this once a year. I bet you people are still going to rebel and come back and do this. We'll skip Tuesday vibe. So number five or number four for us is Breath of the Wild 2. Goes back to the Nintendo Direct. We'll skip that one too because that uh, goes back with what we're doing. Actually, no, we're going to talk about that one for a second. Breath of the Wild 2. 
Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 fans are hoping they'll receive major updates on the Nintendo Switch exclusive during Nintendo Direct, a few days ahead of The Legend of Zelda's 35th anniversary on February 21st. Why are you making Breath of the Wild 2? Make a new Zelda game. You've been doing it for 35 years. Give me a new story. Not just a continuation of the last story. I mean, the only other direct sequel in the franchise is Zelda 2 The Adventure of Link. And even that was completely different, but, you know, when they're coming out with a Breath of the Wild 2 in today's gaming environment, I feel like they're just going to do something on the exact same engine that's exactly the same. And get people to buy more Switches. So no, definitely make something new. Make a new story. I want to know more about Hyrule, except I haven't played anything past uh, Twilight Princess, so... But I want to know more about the history of that. I don't want the same game recycled and repackaged over again. Alright. And then the last one we'll do is Draymond. By the way, today's Pancake Day. The last one we'll do is Draymond, which I don't know who that is, but it's something to do with sports. Everyone wants to say the young man can't figure it out, but no one wants to say the organization can't figure it out. Draymond Green sounds off a double standard he sees in the NBA. Uh, them boys been teammates too long. Money 23. Green. Stephen Curry. Let's see. To watch Andre Drummond before the game uh, sit on the sideline, then go to the back, and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bullshit. Because when James Harden asked for a trade and essentially dogged it, I don't think there was no surprise or no, you know, there's no one's going to fight back that James was dogging it his last days in Houston. But he was castrated for one to go to a different team and everybody destroyed that man. And yet a team can come out and say, oh, we want to trade a guy. And then that guy is to go sit. And if he doesn't stay professional, then he's a cancer. And he's not good in someone's locker room. And he's the issue. And we've seen situations of Harrison Barnes getting pulled off the bench. You know, DeMarcus Cousins finding out that he's traded in an interview after the All-Star game. And we continue to let this happen. But I got fined for stating my opinion of what I thought should happen with another player. But teams can come out and continue to say, oh, we're trading guys, we're not playing you. And yet we're to stay professional. At some point, as players, we need to be treated with the same respect and have the same rights that the team can have. Because as a player, you're the worst person in the world when you want a different situation. But... Well... All I can say to that is you sign a contract, so we'll have to deal with the repercussions of signing said contract as we go on. But, you know, like I say, it is there is some shady stuff that goes on between team owners, too. And, you know, if it's not your Tom Brady or your star player, I'm not big on basketball, so I can't make quotes about basketball players, unfortunately. But, I mean, unless you are top of the line, you don't get to have your pick. They just trade you willy-nilly as goes, so... Yeah, I can see where he's coming from on that, definitely. And it's it's not just basketball, it's all sports that they do that. So, yeah, that's 
definitely something to look into. But as far as that goes, we do have to take off for the day here because I've got to go and uh, get out to work here. So that's going to be it for the day. And we'll be back here tomorrow for more contemporary. Where's my webcam? There it is. We'll be back here tomorrow with more contemporary. We'll be talking a little bit more about some of the news of what's going on here. Hopefully some good news coming out of Texas as far as everything getting cleaned up. And we will see what the news saga is for what it is that they want to tell us is happening in the news and how they want to tie it to Trump. I've got this feeling it's going to be quite the interesting one indeed. So definitely come back and hang out with us tomorrow for a lot more contemporary, a lot more news, and a lot more of a big start to your day here. Looking forward to seeing that. And remember, if you are lurking right now, make sure you get that last minute message in so I can give you thanks at the end of the week. But until then, we will see you next time for more Contemporary. Until then, I'm Jay Edgar, and this is Contemporary. <laughs>